one thing came to my mind that living a responsible and joyful life, imagining about what to pass to the next generation, is my ikigai. And the reason I can say this is my ikigai is because not being able to live for the next generation gives me a negative feeling for me. If I'm not living to pass something onto the next generation, I would lose hope and wouldn't know what purpose to live for now. So even I enjoy walk walk in daily life, I would feel a certain sense of worthlessness. And therefore, maybe I thought that this is my ikigai. And that my ikigai is the desire to hand over a better world to the next generation. This is Nick Kemp with the Ikigai Podcast. Japanese wisdom for a fulfilling and meaningful life. Find your Ikigai at ikigaitribe.com. My guest today is Naoko Tomita. Naoko Tomita is a graduate from Keio University in the Faculty of Policy Studies. And Naoko has worked as a management consultant at Arthur Anderson, has a Six Sigma black belt at General Electric, and also was a project leader at AIG, so that's American International Group. Currently, Naoko is organizing workshops to create a world where all life shines together as it should be to live abundantly on the planet. And she is an authorized facilitator for. 2030 SDG, so that's Sustainable Development Goals, and heavily involved in that. So, a few other <laughs> parts of that is the SDGs Outside In, SDGs Rural Development, and Design Sprint, and also involved in the Zen School, which we'll talk about shortly. And you also supervise the SDGs Corner and Orange Page Magazine. And you're also the co-author of SDGs Amazing Companies. So a lot of work related to SDGs. And now because hobbies include do-it-yourself, so DIY and trekking. And she enjoys being out in the great outdoors. Thank you for joining me today, Naoko. Thank you, Nick, for having me. Yes. <laughs> and hello, everyone. <laughs> It's my pleasure. So it's good to see you again because we met through my previous podcast guest called Jimiki san and you were on that episode as support. Yeah. And that episode was about embracing AI opportunities for a meaningful life. And yeah, thank you for being on that episode to help out. Yeah, well, I didn't do much, but it was fun listening, yes. <laughs> but you also help out Mickey San with his Zen school, which we talked about on the previous episode. So do you want to touch on the work you do with Mickey San? Yes. Well, Zen school is a school to develop mental abilities. And uh, it's like a six-month course. And you try to discover one's own worldview, finding what you really want to do. Or maybe you can find Ikigai there. <laughs> uh, you may also yeah, discover if you think you can make that as a business, of course, you can create your own product or own business, but it's not a thing that you have to do. You just stick with your waku waku. Waku waku is a word. It's an onomatopoeia mm-hmm. of bouncing of your heart or the excitement thing. Yeah. So you just have to switch your mind that you can stick with waku waku, always live with waku waku, and that will lead you to some new products sometimes, ikigai sometimes, it's something like that. And <laughs> so Zen school, it's done by within the Zen meditation and the dialogue, and we do thorough self-disclosure, ensure psychological safety in the team, and do meditation work to remember what you were waku waku about when you were 10 years old, oh, wow. your childhood. Can you sort of connecting to your inner child? Yes. Mm. And pick up the real true things that you want to do mm. from the future. So 
I really had fun and I was in graduate of that in 2019 and I became a master after that. So I leave dental school right now. Oh, nice. It almost sounds related to maybe some way kokorozashi a little bit. Yes, a little bit. (laughs) But yes, that's true. But you really don't have to relate to kokorozashi, but it's more relate to your inner child, your wakawaku, and that keeps you do a big business sometimes. It's interesting. It reminds me of conversations I've had with Ken Moggy. Mm -hmm. He talks about, yeah, connecting to your inner child and and letting out your, I guess, your child spirit Mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the graduate really does something very big. You don't have to, and you don't have to do any business, but some graduate has developed a Luna, what do you call, explorer. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. To be, go up in the moon soon. Uh, oh, wow. Graduate has <laughs> created a flying car. <laughs> some just find their ikigai. That's fine. But anyway, if you're connected to the inner child, yes, something happens. That's interesting because the inner child has almost, you know, incredible imagination where there are no limits. And so what we think is impossible is sort of possible for the inner child. So yeah. flying cars or <laughs> a, a lunar lander, that mm-hmm. they sort of seem impossible, but not to the inner child. So that's fascinating. So that must be very uh, fulfilling work for you to be involved yes. with Zen school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I can be keep my waka waka also. So I'm all happy. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll talk about Waku Waku later, but let's switch to your company mm-hmm. and let's start with the meaning and message behind the name, which is Will Wind. So would you like to talk about that? Yes, thank you. Well, the name of the company, Will Wind, means to carry our will on the wind and pass them to the future. And I have a logo here. Do you see my yes. logo? See the logo? Yeah. Three leaves. These leaves, these represents the meaning of rich and fertile golden land, blue ocean, and green forest, which I want to preserve and pass on to the future generation. And I founded this little company. It's still little. I'm doing with my sister and my partner in 2005. And currently, we support companies and individuals to understand the importance of sustainability as SDGs and to come up with a regenerative business ideas through workshop or Zen School session, which I just nice. explained. That's fascinating. So it's obviously, I see Ikigai often, I relate nature as almost like a universal source of ikigai, being connected to nature. Like I think everyone loves to connect to nature. Yeah. So that must be very fulfilling work, but also challenging. Yes, it is. Yeah. We are so divided from the natures these days for getting that sense. Hey there, Nick Kemp here, and I wanted to touch base and let you know about my new course, the Fine Juru Ikigai course. Developed in consultation with Japan's leading Ikigai researchers, the Fine Juru Ikigai course is the only culturally accurate and evidence-based practical guide to the Ikigai concept. If you are interested in learning more about the Fine Juru Ikigai course, please visit ikigaitribe.com. Now back to the episode. Does that relate somewhat to Shinto or Shintoism, this idea of connecting to nature. And I think in the West, and, and this has probably influenced Japan, I think in the West we feel we can control nature and we try to control nature. And that sort of causes problems. But my understanding of Shintoism is there's a synergy, a connection between man and nature. Is that how you relate to nature, connecting to nature? Yes, that's how I do. Well, my family is Shintoism, so but that has nothing to do with, I mean, we're not a really religious person. But mm-hmm. yes, the nature, for me, I'm a part of nature. 
And I think that comes from the Shintoism or animism type of mm. thinking. Yeah, it's an interesting area I'd like to learn more about. But let's, let's move on. So much of your work seems tied to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So would you like to talk about your work in relation to that? Yes. Well, our 2030 Agenda of Sustainable Development was adopted by all United Nations member states in 2015 by the Shared Blueprint for Peace and Prosperity for People and the Planet. Uh, now and into the future. Mm-hmm. There are 17 goals in total, each with specific targets to be achieved by year 2030. These goals are an urgent call for action by all countries, including developed countries and developing countries in a global partnership. So are you familiar with SDGs? Is it popular in Australia? To be honest, I didn't really know about them until fairly recently. I actually spoke to someone else on my podcast who's involved Mm -hmm. in the goals. So, yeah, I didn't know there was this target. And there's only, what, six six years, seven years now? Yeah. So I must be feeling the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's coming. And it's quite popular in Japan. The government is leading it, and we see the SDGs logo everywhere on the train and people putting the pin badge on the here and on their suit label. Yeah. Oh, really? So, yeah, there's probably not much awareness in Australia, which is unfortunate. Well, but I'm sure that the spirit of SDGs, I think everybody already knows. And like the Australian people or the European people, they're very ahead of us. So we need to promote a lot on this. Yeah. Well, we should briefly touch on the goals, and there are 17. So would you like to go through the 17 sustainable development goals of the United Nations? Yes, I will. Just I'll read the title of the goals. And sure. number one, no poverty. Uh, two, zero hunger. Three, good health and well-being. Four, quality education, five, gender equality, six, clean water and sanitation, seven, affordable and clean energy, eight, decent work and economic growth, nine, industry innovation and infrastructure, 10, reduced inequalities, 11, sustainable cities and economies, 12, responsible consumption and production. 13, climate action. 14, life below water. 15, life on land. 16, peace, justice, and strong institutions. 17, partnership for the goals. So, well, 17 goals seems to be a lot, but SDGs are inherently interconnected, where the achievement of each goal influences others. Mm -hmm. A comprehensive approach towards overall sustainable development is really necessary. So that's why they have 17. I see. And I'm assuming life below water obviously means ocean, ocean life and the health of our oceans. Yes. Yes, which I think we all know is highly farmed and there's a, a lot of problems with over farming of obviously fish and, and sea life. Microplastic problem. Yes, of course, pollution. Yeah, so these are important goals and some of them, I mean, no, no poverty and zero hunger by 2030. That seems very ambitious. Yes, they are. So must be both exciting, but maybe is it also overwhelming being involved with the sustainable development goals and this target of 2030 is quite close now. So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Do you think it's achievable or do you think it's just important that progress is made? Well, the point of this SDGs is they put a very high goal, aggressive goal, and so people can backcast and think about what to do. Not like forecast type of goal, 
they have to be very high. And we are uh, progressing little by little. To be honest, it's very high ambitious goals. But still, to have that goal and to have that goal uh, written verbally, I think it is very important that we are aiming for no hunger. And yes. No poverty. Yes. Ambitious goals, but worthwhile goals to pursue. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, it should be possible. Mm-hmm. There's certainly enough resources to feed the whole planet, but it's obviously complicated. But let's focus on what you do. So what sustainable development goals are you focused on achieving with Wheel Wind? Yes. Well, since we provide workshop, I shall say quality education and partnership for the goals. But my feeling is more than providing an education, but us learning together and creating a new future together. But if you ask me which goal is, I think, quality education. (laughs) And so that specifically with quality education, what are you teaching others or what are you sharing with others? Well, mainly I have this SDGs card game that I do with people, with the group. And this card game, you can do it with five people up to 50 people. Every people have their own goals and they live in this world aiming for 2030. Mm -hmm. And they do many projects there within this team. There's a project card and you use money and time and everybody goes for their goals and to see if we can all achieve these SDGs. So it's very fun and interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like fun. I'd like to play. So, uh, okay. So one of your main goals is to educate people on the SDGs. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that must be fulfilling work and maybe challenging too. And this involves actually a personal transformation, I think, from your previous life of office worker mm-hmm. to establishing Willwind. So what was the catalyst for this change in your life? Yes. Well, I think it is going to be a bit of my life story. I was born and raised in Tokyo. I spent my childhood from one to seven years old in New York because there was not much nature around me. I always sought nature and learned from nature. And my teacher was the trees, the flowers, and the waves that came and went. And I always got answer to my life problems from such nature and natural phenomena. Mm -hmm. Well, usually the answers were like, well, just be yourself. You're okay as you are. Just like the waves, another good thing will come again or the sun rises and for your life. It's something like that. But anyway, it really eased me a lot. I was going to say great teachers, wonderful teachers, wonderful interpretation you have of nature being a teacher. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> so I still talk to nature a lot. So I'm quite an introvert. and. For some reason, ever since I was a small child, I have always loved to think about the future of mankind because I loved nature and I was aware that I was part of this nature. And my interest was whether we could survive as one of the species which form this ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So I would sometimes think that it is amazing and inspiring that we humans have evolved so far with various inventions, or on the other hand, I also worry that we humans, we cannot stop wars and destruction of nature, will perish if we do not do something about it. On the other hand, well, however, I also believe that the reason why human beings who are biologically so weak have been able to build a society on such a large scale and increase in number is because of our tremendous ability that we have. And I also believe that the potential of using this ability for better purpose other than destruction is measurable. And as a member of the human race, I would like to have hope and confidence in this. And that makes really me waku waku. (laughs) 
was still, you know, having these questions in my mind, yet I didn't know what to do. So I started my career in 1993 as a consultant and a project manager in Tokyo, uh, working for several American and European companies. Uh, the reason I became a consultant was it's not like I wanted to be a consultant, but I wanted to have a broader perspective of the world. And I thought if I become a consultant, I can see many companies and what they do and understand the system of this world. And behind that, I was always looking for something I really wanted to do. And in December 2004, I remember I traveled alone to Australia with parents. I wanted to see the Great Barrier Reef and New Zealand, the Southern Island. And through the dialogue with Mother Nature, I was able to break free from the endless loop of my vague questions, believing that there is no right answer to how human race should live. And if there is no right answer, then all that remains is to create the future we want to live in. And it came to my mind that maybe I can create and provide an opportunity where we can all continue to ask ourselves about the ideal world that we want to live in. And we are a human being blessed to live in such a transformative era. It's so exciting. I couldn't stop being really excited about this idea of spending my lifetime facing this open question with others. So I thought that maybe I can do like a facilitator, become a facilitator for those workshops. And these feelings overflowed me and I decided to turn around from my life as an office worker and started my small family business company, this Willwind, in 2005. And now I'm a workshop designer and do <laughs> workshop to people and share this waku waku. I love it. What an amazing uh, transformation and journey. And you keep mentioning future and it reminds me of a word, a Japanese word I learned from Miyako Kamiya's work, Mirai Say, this idea of a bright future. So it sounds like you have a positive perception of the future, like a bright future, and that gives you waku waku. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yes. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what I'm into, SDGs. And, well, even the goal is very high. I want people to think about the future and think about the beautiful world that maybe we can make. And so SDGs is just one of my tools. It came out in 2015. So it's a very useful thing. But even after 2030, I think I'm going to keep to talk about the future and do what to do and find your ikigai or waku waku. Mm. Yes, the rest <laughs> of it. <laughs> I think it's important that we have, you know, obviously short-term goals, but also long-term, highly ambitious goals mm -hmm. to strive for. And in the process, maybe we grow and we actualize as a person mm -hmm. because we, I guess we need to be part of something bigger than ourselves, yes? Yeah. And nature's a beautiful example of that. When you go out in nature, you often experience awe and you see these amazing, beautiful things and you get to understand oh, I'm, I'm just a small part of this, this world or Mother Nature. But, yeah, we take so much from Mother Nature, we should give back and protect her and allow future life to live. Yeah. So Japan is such an interesting country because they do have this love and respect for nature, but they also have big cities and big budgets to to spend on, you know, developing roads or big industrial projects. I remember even in my own small town of Tajimi, I think just so the local government could spend their budget, they basically paved concrete everywhere along a river and <laughs> it wasn't really for any purpose. It was just, oh, okay, we have a budget so we should redo the roads mm. and then we still have a budget so let's just concrete the banks of this river and no one seemed to complain or worry. It was just like the normal thing to do. 
So is there a conflict for you with Japan? Like this beautiful respect for nature, mm-hmm. but so many resources go into, I guess, destroying part of nature or just Japan seems to keep building new roads and bridges and buildings. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, there's a lot of conflict in me in this country, I think. We used to live with nature, I think all the human beings, and we were uh, drinking the water from the what spring, spring water or mm-hmm. the river or washing clothes in the river, getting some trees from the mountains. If you use the nature in your daily life, you feel the connection with the nature, I think. But if you buy your daily life service from someone else without getting right from the nature, mm-hmm. then you think the nature around you is not part of you. Yeah. It's different. There will be a big division, divided thing. Yeah. Between you and nature. So a lot of people like me living in a city and are not close to nature and don't know the real meaning of the nature, how they can support or fund or be in the circular of this big whole earth ecosystem. Get yes. this, they will just put the concrete on the bank and keep building roads and bridges. I think you really have to be in nature and sometimes live and really like I'm drinking well water now. Well, I can talk about this later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the living with the nature, it's very important thing to remember that you are part of nature. Well, on that theme, do you think you could ever go back to your life as an office worker? Well, no way. <laughs> No way. Well, even if I want to, I I don't think no one would hire me. (laughs) Well, I think I'm living really like a kid or an animal, and I'm really uncontrollable. (laughs) Every day I'm doing something I want to do, uh, which makes me waku waku. And yes, so no way at this moment. (laughs) If company changes and would like to hire somebody like me, just playing around every day, yes, maybe. (laughs) Not now. Well, you love this word, waku waku. So mm-hmm. would you like to touch on its meaning again and how you interpret waku waku? Yes. It represents the bouncing of your heart and bouncing of your excitement. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe this kind of body language <laughs> you might have or something. Waku waku, waku waku. waku, waku sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. yes. I have waku waku every day, ever since when I was little. But the current waku waku I have is, I just talked about my well water. But last year, I moved to a tiny house in a rural seaside town called Tateyama. Mm -hmm. And just, I want to show you where I was living before. I was living here. Yeah. (laughs) Right in front of the Tokyo Metropolitan Government Building. Surrounded by skyscrapers. And now I have moved and now I'm living here. Oh, Oh, wow. Look at that. Such a contrast. (laughs) (laughs) There's only one building or one small little house. Yes, in the field. So now I'm talking from this small building, small house right now. And I'm in Tateyama in Chiba Prefecture. It's about two hours from Tokyo by car. And we have electricity, but no public water system and only well water. And it's like 700 meters away from the Pacific Ocean and surrounded by abundant farmland. Yeah. So isn't this waku waku? (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Yeah, it would be for many people. And it, it must be so beautiful to have fresh air and no man-made noise, just the sounds of nature and, yeah, yeah, I bet the water tastes good as well, yeah? Um, Actually, not really. The the mountain waters are more tasty, Mm -hmm. uh, often tasty, but we have hard water. The chiba is the rays from the sea 
I see. So it has lots of too many calciums and magnesiums in it. So I have to purify this water. Ah, I see. Many things we have to do, but many things I can learn. Mm. And it really was a life shift for me because I only have experienced drinking tap water. And so I didn't know that there's such soft and hard water and mm-hmm. to do with if I only have hard water. I'm learning so many things every day. And but anyway, by studying SDGs, there were so many things that I wanted to try, you know, such as this living in these countries and doing off grid uh, from the power supply, uh, or mm-hmm. regenerative farming or like passive house construction and others. So I don't have to use much energy by living like the heat and air conditioning. So there's so many things that I wanted to do. And I also found that the inner development mm-hmm. will be key for the sustainable transformation. So I don't think we can achieve the SDGs goal just with our mindset, the current mindset. So really, we have to change our inner way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And I heard from someone that the consciousness changes our daily lives and our daily lives changes our consciousness. So if I could transform myself by having a different daily life, I thought I might find a clue to transform the world as well. So this is a huge experiment for me. It's often said, I think it's something along the lines, you know, change begins with you. So Mm -hmm. if you want to see change in the world, well, you must make the change within yourself first Mm -hmm. and then the world will change. So I think I'm trying for that. And I really wanted to do something out in the country, but still I work for the companies as well with Mm -hmm. all workshops. So I had to be like maybe less than 100 kilometers away from Tokyo, not too far from Tokyo. And I found this place. And so if I try to relate what I'm facing daily here to SDGs, Mm -hmm. talking about the SDGs goal, it's like number six, goal number six, clean water and sanitation. Like I think I'm going to try to do the composting toilet. Oh, yes. Yes. And number seven, affordable and clean energy. I didn't have a car when I was in Tokyo, but I bought an electric car. And next year, I'm going to renovate this house and maybe put some solar panels on it so I can charge to the car. And also at night, we say vehicle to home, but, you know, charge it back to our house from the car. Use the car battery. So I would like to try those. And goal number 12 is responsible consumption and production. So it's very hard to buy all the circular products, but I'm trying my best to do that. Mm -hmm. And also goal number 13 is climate action. If I change my life, maybe it'll become low carbon. And number 14, uh, life below water. Of course, what I use at my house it goes to the ocean. I mean, it flows to the ocean. What kind of soap I use, uh, uh, everything to think about it. And life on land, of course, I can make this more regenerative place if I try to. So these are the goals are now connected to my life. And I can talk about my life story at the companies as well. And it's so vice versa. Yeah, so you've really taken these goals and just focus them on you. So they're they're almost become personal goals for you to achieve. Yes, that's true. (laughs) That's wonderful. I mean, it's not easy. So it Mm -hmm. requires a lot of forward thinking. I'm Mm -hmm. sure to some degree, there is some inconvenience. So you you have to think of, how can I use less energy? And you've got to invest time and money in refurbishing your home. But it also sounds exciting and sounds like it's moving you forward or giving you that waku waku. So, yes, yeah. really. <laughs> I really want to make this place a regenerative place and not only for the land, but also for ourselves. 
I think you know, but every cell in our body is replaced in three months. So we are always brand new physically. And if you prefer, we can also be brand new spiritually every day. So I want to do many regenerative type of uh, workshop here, including Zen School and others. And I have already started some. So every day really is filled with Waku Waku here. (laughs) Well, that's great. And I'm also wanting to do workshops on Ikigai in person. I do a lot of, most of my work's online. And yeah, I do think it's more meaningful when you connect with people and do things together and have meaningful discussion. And I do actually hope to have Ikigai retreats to Japan. So yeah, workshops are a great way to learn. So would you like to speak more about the workshops you do? Yes. Well, just like I said, I do at the companies, but the one workshop I did it with this place, I have invited biodiversity teacher and have started to create a biotope pond. Is biotope familiar with you? Uh, no. So what's biotope? Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's a place where the local birds, insects, microorganisms come and just create an ecosystem at that place. That's a biotope. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to create a biotope pond with this uh, teacher. Nice. And so the idea is if we continue to live here and continue to draw water from the well on a not too much basis in our daily lives, it will have the same meaning as a tree root sucking up water from the ground every day. And when we return the used water to the garden, the water circulation improves and the water continues to flow out of the well and the pond, revitalizing the land and the creatures that live here. And also by creating an environment that did not exist here before by human like us, such as pond, birds that did not stop by before might come to this area. So our activities nurture biodiversity. And the longer people continue to live here, the richer the land will become. So it's like we are part of nature Mm. and collaborating with nature and be in this circular uh, all together with the other lives. And this is just one example how people can be a part of this ecological family and nurture the earth. So this is the type of thing that I would like to do and having fun. And next year, we're going to renovate this house along with workshop. And yes, I would like to do many sessions as well after I complete with the thing yeah, with my hands. <laughs> I'll have to come and, and join one of your workshops. It sounds uh, exciting. So <laughs> Yeah, and... you can use my place for your Ikigai workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this is an interesting concept, this idea that man can be a part of nature in a very sort of productive and healthy way, and we we are part of that biodiversity. And I think um, Ken Moggy was telling me about this, or maybe he wrote it in a book, that when uh, man interacts in synergy with nature, you do create something new and you do create a new biodiversity that's beneficial to all the living organisms involved. Mm -hmm. So that's a far better way to connect with nature rather than uh, just consume nature. So, yeah, it must be very fulfilling work for you. And I guess you have a lot of time to contemplate and reflect on life, your life, nature, life in general. Mm -hmm. So is that another benefit of living out in where you live? You have more time to think? Yes, well, absolutely. My little house is facing uh, west. So I every day see the sunset, beautiful sunset. It's really breathtaking. <laughs> and the sunset time, about an hour, I can't work. I mean, it's all the time I see this way. It's, I see the ocean, a little ah. in the land on, over there. So every time I just look at my left side, the beautiful, really the beauty of this 
planet. I see it. And it's, I was only seeing the sunset between the skyscrapers before, I just see. being in big buildings. And it's so different. And I see some houses around me, but still the grasses, the birds. Mm. Yes. It's like my feeling before coming here was I'm going to Tatiyama, moving to Tatiyama, but it's like not Tatiyama. I moved into a world of insects and birds and grasses. Mm. This feeling is really I mean, not what I was expecting. It's like I was just thinking that I, I'll move to in Tatiyama. It's surrounded by nature. I knew that, but it's there's more insects around me than people that <laughs> I was in Shinjuku I was in Tokyo there's only people around me uh, so I can be real me in uh, here being nice. here <laughs> so it sounds you found yourself yes in, in Tatayama yeah well as you know this podcast explores the theme of ikigai and other related concepts and to me looking from the outside, it looks like your work and the lifestyle you lead now could be part of your ikigai. What do you think? Well, partially yes and partially no. But yes, you gave me a real good question because to be honest, until I get to know you, I never thought of what my ikigai was. And when I think about why, I think it's because I was always feeling is wakwaku for everything. And well, that's thanks to my family, friends, and partner. I was fortunate to live my life with excitement and joy most of the time. It's possible I can replace each wakwaku into ikigai. I can say that those are all ikigai, but something sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of last interview to Miki-san, you gave me a chance to talk about my ikigai. And since I was not prepared at all, uh, you, you all of a sudden just ask me, what is the ikigai? <laughs> and I think I answered something that I was not what I intended. Sure. So I mm. appreciate if you can give me some time to reconsider once more. Yeah, please. And thinking about the ikigai, the most recent time I had heard this word ikigai in my life was from my father seven or eight years ago. So... Ikigai is a very popular word, and everybody knows the meaning in heart, but it's very hard to say define it in Japan, mm. I think. But anyway, I heard that word from dad, and I remember that. And it was around the time when my mother began to suffer from dementia and was finally unable to take care of herself. At that time, my father said to me, well, now I found my ikigai. It is to take care of my mom. And well, this has a little story behind. And about 20 years ago, my father became visually impaired. And ever since he lost his joy of living in many ways, oh, he did have fun. But anyway, I'm sure he lost a lot of uh, joy. But however, when he had to face my mother's disease, he found the meaning of his existence in taking care of my mother. And it came out from his mouth as the word ikigai. What a beautiful interpretation. I mean, it, it ties in obviously relationship and love, but maybe also that gave him a new purpose to, to care about someone he truly loves. So I think uh, the relationship aspect of ikigai is really important that, yeah, being needed or helping others mm-hmm. or, or your role as father, husband, wife, mother, can also be a source of ikigai. Yes. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, yes. And I thought about that. Oh, my father said that word ikigai. And so, in my father's case, the word ikigai may be a word that shines in the absence of ikigai and the presence of some negative aspect they have in their lives, something such as a boring or painful day-to-day life or some kind of there's this darkness and you find the ikigai in the darkness. And so looking back in my case, I've always chased after what I truly wanted to do and it has 
brought a lot of excitement and joy and walk walk to my life. So I never had to think about ikigai. And I was just alive. I was just ikiteru, if you say in Japanese. Mm-hmm. So, but since you asked me, I took time and thought about it once more that what makes me feel it is ikigai. And I tried to apply all my walk walk things, whether they are ikigai or not. Okay. Uh, but most of them sounded okay, but little unsuitable for the word ikigai. But one thing came to my mind that living a responsible and joyful life, imagining about what to pass to the next generation, is my ikigai. Mm-hmm. And the reason I can say this is my ikigai is because not being able to live for the next generation gives me a negative feeling. Mm-hmm. If I'm not living to pass something on to the next generation, I would lose hope and wouldn't know what purpose to live for now. So even I enjoy walk walk in daily life, I would feel a certain sense of worthlessness. And therefore, maybe I thought that this is my ikigai and that my ikigai is the desire to hand over a better world to the next generation. And I really thanks to you, I came to this one conclusion that, <laughs> oh, so it links directly to Willwind, what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another word that comes up for me in relation to this is uh, shimeikan, like sense of purpose. And mm-hmm. So you, you seem to have a strong sense of purpose that goes beyond your life and that you want to give life to future generations and you want, almost goes back to mid, I say, you want a bright future for Mm -hmm. others, not just yourself. And you're doing that with your work and Mm -hmm. you're also doing that with your work with the Sustainable Development Goals. So (laughs) that's great. Yeah, so I realised why I'm so happy (laughs) once again. (laughs) Yeah, you do look happy. You're always smiling every time we, we chat and I can almost see the waku waku in you. So. <laughs> Your transformation from working in an office to doing something you care about that's obviously challenging but meaningful and it's long-term, there's mm-hmm. a clear future, could be a really good example to other Japanese who are you know, unfulfilled and they want to do more. Mm-hmm. And, and how, you know, you could show them how, this is how you do it. So I think that's amazing and inspiring. Like you've, you've created this new world, this new life for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, it's very, it's not something you teach to people, I think. It's true that I'm having fun every day. So I try to write blogs or write Facebook notes and let them people know how happy, how fun it is. Because <laughs> all the things that I find out, like the new, I don't know, about my garden and about the house and how to build the house in a low energy way. And it's so exciting getting all these knowledges. Um, <laughs> there's a hope for human. <laughs> we still maybe can stay in this earth. So fun. Yeah, see, it's fun for you. So it's almost like what we talked about before, your inner child is coming alive. It's come to life again. And yeah, learning is, uh, people often talk about a love of learning, but it sounds like you're learning from real life experience and it's you're not just reading a book or watching a documentary. You're living this new life and learning all these new things through experience. So... That sounds, yeah, like a waku waku life or a, a life filled with ikigai, like um, meaning and purpose. I'm actually curious, when you made this transition and you left your job and you left your, your home, what was the reaction from the people around you, from your friends? Were they surprised? Yes, they were surprised, but... The one funny thing that I thought that I changed a lot. I mean, in 1993, the first company I joined, I had a colleague there. 
And at that time, and like 10 or 15 years after, I met him. And yeah, that was the time I already started my whirlwind. I haven't moved here yet. But anyway, I said, I changed so much. And but this guy said, you haven't changed at all. You were always waku waku of something <laughs> <laughs> at that time, too. So you kept searching for your waku waku, and now you're just there. Mm, so I see. Yes, they were surprised. They were, I think, looking forward to see what I'm going to do next. <laughs> well, I'm glad our paths met. And thank you so much for all your time and the preparation you put into this podcast and for helping on the previous podcast with uh, Miki-san. And Mm -hmm. yeah, when I visit Japan, I'd definitely love to come and visit and and see what you're doing and learn more about the work you do. So thank you for joining me. So how can people learn more about what you do? You have your website? Yes, website. I have to update more because... (laughs) I'm too busy doing my walk walk and the information is not enough on my website, but yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll link to that. Is That's that's obviously in Japanese. So that's wheelwind.co.jp. Yeah. And also I'm trying to do the Zensko Global to search for your wakuwaku or maybe Ikigai for six months with Zen meditation and dialogue. I have fluent English speaker with me, okay. so we too can support. Also, maybe including Miksan. Oh. So I will show you that Zensko Global link. Please do. Okay. So that's how someone who's, that's, is that how English speakers can connect with you? Yes. Yeah. All right. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you. So it must be cold over there, getting colder. Yes, it's getting colder. And before the renovation, I don't have any air conditioning here, so I'm freezing right now. <laughs> so do you don't have a traditional wood stove or? No, I don't. Not yet. Um, oh. I'm going to yes change this place a lot next year. So I'm trying not to buy too much things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I hope you don't freeze too much. But uh, thank you so much. Naoko, for joining me today. Really appreciate your time and what you shared with us. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, everyone, for listening. This episode was brought to you by the Find Your Ikigai course. Developed in consultation with Japan's leading Ikigai researchers, the Find Your Ikigai course is the only culturally accurate and evidence-based practical guide to the Ikigai concept. To learn more about the Find Your Ikigai course, please visit ikigaitribe.com.